Welcome everybody to this episode where we're going to look at how to empower you to have a conversation on disability. Today I'm really lucky to be joined by Chris Keogh for our sales and marketing team and Sophie Butler, social media influencer and gym shark athlete. Both Chris and Sophie have had spinal cord injuries and are going to spend today talking about the impact that that has had on their lives and the impact of disability in the workplace. Welcome to you both. It'd be really interesting if you could tell me how you got your spinal cord injuries. Sophie, can we start with you? Yes, okay. Um, so yeah, my spinal injury actually occurred uh, in July of 2017. So I've had it for about two and a half years now and it actually occurred during a training injury. So um, I was training in the gym and I basically fell on my bum with the weight that I was squatting. And obviously I lift quite heavy and I did lift heavy back then as well. So um, this was obviously quite a substantial amount of weight and it actually caused my back to break into two. Um, and that basically compressed the spinal cord, which is how, how I ended up getting my spinal injury. Uh, and Chris, how about you? So mine happened in April last year on the football pitch. Uh, so I jumped up for a header and landed pretty much straight on my head and managed to dislocate my neck in three places, again, which pinched my spinal cord. Um, and yeah, completely freak injury. There was no one around me. Um, I just can't header the football, obviously. Um, so uh, yeah, and uh, been recovering ever since. Thank you. And, and you know, thank you both for, for sharing that experience thinking about it I suppose what's the one thing that someone has done that's really surprised you with their sort of preconceptions on disability I think for me in general the one thing that has really surprised me is how um, little consideration most general people have um, I mean I I can't really remember before my injury how I would have treated a disabled person being quite frank because I don't think I ever actually knowingly encountered a disabled person so I probably did maybe have some um, ignorant or unaware kind of like preconceptions or anything like that but I would never I'd like to think that I would never have just asked people questions you know sometimes I'll be you know in the supermarket I'll be shopping and someone will be like oh why are you in why are you in the chair then people I don't know just, just people oh, I do not know yeah and they'll be like oh so what happened to you then and then and then I had one woman genuinely ask me she was like oh so you like long-term sick or and this is why I was in the shop trying to buy makeup just doing my everyday life and I think that's the one thing that has really surprised me is like the almost like the, the the audacity of it that people feel so entitled to not only your medical history because that's what it is but also your trauma because it is you know it is trauma and it is you, we, we can sit here and talk about it now because we're in an environment where we're we know we're going to talk about it and we've agreed about it and we know we've kind of we all know that's what's going to happen but you're in a shop trying to live your life and you've basically got someone coming up to you basically being like oh I want access to this mm. you know this traumatic part of your life I want I want in on that and then you're like whoa who are you do we not get to exchange names first? So it's, you know, when you look at it like that, when you look at it from that perspective, it's that's the thing that has really surprised me. It's, it's funny, sorry, so it's, it's funny watching people trying to empathise. The number of times I'm in a restaurant and um, someone comes over to me and I'm with a group of friends, all able-bodied, and they'll come over and go, what happened then? I'm like, oh, I... Uh, I never really go to the full extent. I go, oh, you know, I paralyzed from here down and so on. I just say, oh, I've managed to dislocate my neck. And then there's this old person in there, bless him. I think he was just trying to be nice, but he just goes, oh, yeah, I've got a dodgy ankle. Like, <laughs> same thing. Yeah, same thing. But, you know, it's like just when funny. people are like, yeah, my, um, so like my nan's neighbor's uncle's dog was in a wheelchair <laughs> one time. And I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> Good for them. Like, that doesn't help me. <laughs> I suppose just 
interesting because you know in these circumstances sometimes people don't know what to say or what to do yeah. from your experience then is it better that they say nothing and ignore you i mean or they ask you ridiculous questions we were having this conversation beforehand and i think it's more how they ask really uh, and the tone that they use when they ask if someone comes you go, what happened then then you know they're just trying to i don't know get the gossip or you know trying to get a good story from you or someone when someone really has like a um, an empathetic reason and behind a really genuinely wants to understand more about what you're going through and the challenges that you go through day to day then I'm, I'm happy to talk about it but I think it's just someone's tone and the reason why they're asking yeah and I think to add off that as well I think the, the way that I look at it is, is is like a do you need to know it's like there's some situations where people who I've been close to or um, you know that I've, I've met and they and they kind of want to know more because they want to learn more about me and understand but then that's because we've formed a friendship and we formed this basis but it's when people come up to you and I think but why do you need to know that that is just so that you can have gossip that's not going to enhance this experience for either of us so why do you need to know that and with Mm. the whole tone like you said of what happened to you it's kind of highlighting ah you're different Mm, there's a story there and I and I want to know that. That's what puts me on edge because I'm like, I just <laughs> just want to do some shopping. Stop being nosy. But now you're highlighting, no. yeah. <laughs> I look different, or I am different, or yeah. whatever it may be. Um, both of your injuries are relatively recent, you know, a couple of years. What adjustments have you had to make to your working environment? Uh, what do, um, to better support you? Um, so I had my injury two days before I was meant to join, and the firm kept in contact with my family throughout, which was amazing i mean imagine not only has gone through me uh, who's suffering but it's also my family and for them to have that reassurance that whatever happens there is a job waiting for me when i'm fit and ready um that was hugely beneficial uh, in terms of my working environment uh, i can work flexibly so some days i get really really tight legs because i'm in the chair most of the day so i can work from home and use my standing frame for instance which will give me um just uh, you know <laughs> Uh, a lot of tension out and it would just uh, sort of look after my well-being um but also um in the office there are no doors well there's very few doors in the office or they're all sliding doors which makes a huge difference such a little thing it makes a huge difference um and i had uh, before i joined i had a, a pre-join assessment to make sure i could get around the office easily enough and uh, showing where the disabled toilets were so when i came on the first day it wasn't alien to me uh, it really was um an incredible experience and i feel like it's just normal service has been resumed. It's fantastic. Fantastic. That sounds like you had a really good experience. Mm-hmm. Very really good. Yeah. 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 Um, when I when I had my injury, I actually got my injury the day I got my uni results. So for me, it was a. I know it, it's really quite um, like a time, but it was just like a. I was in like a transition phase, anyways. So I was work. I didn't have like a full time like career job. And to be honest, I've kind of fallen into what I'm doing now. But I was working in retail at the time. And I worked in this for this company the whole time I was at uni. So um, and I've worked with them for years. So basically they kind of um, kept in contact with me and they said, look, like we're just going to put you long term sick. And when you feel like you're ready to come back part time or even if you don't want to come back at all, that's fine. But we'll put you down long term sick. You get on with what you've got to do and you let us know where you're at when you're ready to so um i came back to them i think maybe about four months after getting discharged from hospital and i said i think i'm ready to come back part-time just to give it a go and see how it goes 12 hours a week and whatever because i need to get used to being around people because i was you go for a very isolated period where 
going back to work is so daunting, even though it's, you know, it's something that you've done your whole life pretty much. Um, so I went back to 12 hours a week and they were very, very good. They kind of, you know, asked me, how are you? How are you really? What can we do to support you? And they were very, very good. And then in terms of what I do like now with um, influencing, well, a lot of that is actually it's home based work, but there's a different side to it where you're communicating with companies and with brands. And I think the biggest thing that I've learned is um, the way that brands communicate with you. So I have like a couple of brands who I work with long term and we have really good relationships and we go on, we'll do like PR trips and stuff together and we'll, we'll go away. But, but the best thing that they've done is just that been up front and said, look, we don't really know what we need to do to support you because it's new to us, but we want to learn. So tell us what we can do. Tell us how we, c we can support you. Tell us what we don't need to do, what you can do yourself. And we'll go from there. So I think in terms of that side of it, that has been like a massive, massive thing as well. And, and from both those experiences, uh, both Chris and Sophie, I suppose, what would be the one thing that you'd like to see changed that we can help other people? Um, I think a main thing really is um, taking that consideration. So for, for started, when I went back to my retail job, there was questions of obviously it takes me a little bit longer to, to get to the toilet, you know, to, and do to things like that. So we um, had that, that talk of like, why are you spending so long going to the bathroom? Like, are you in there skiving or whatever, like, something like that, you know, because some people do do that. But um, so, um, yeah, it was that consideration of them not just assuming. And they just said to me, look, is this something we should be aware of? We should take in consideration. And I said, and yes. And now they gave no explanation for it. And they say, ah, oh, that makes sense. We didn't think of it before, but now it does make sense. So I think um, it's when that, when you do see a barrier arise, it's doing what you can to overcome it. And then barriers can come up anywhere, can't they? Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, in terms of getting to work, can be quite difficult for disabled people um, when you're actually in work there's um, there's physical barriers as well and then obviously there can be social barriers within communication with colleagues and the way that other colleagues are treating the the disabled person mm -hmm. i agree uh, i think in such a fast-paced environment i think sometimes it's just good to sit back and then take stock and ask you know is is, is this going to be all right for you and i, I think that's a, a more than fair question to ask for instance uh, you know if i have an 8 a.m morning uh, or early meeting, uh, the stress is already going through my mind. Not because I don't mind waking up early; that's fine. But um, for instance, uh, with my injury and with a spinal cord injury, uh, it's not. You know, I think not being able to walk and losing the loss of your legs uh, is really the tip of the iceberg. Like, I also have lost the ability to use my bladder and bowels. So my morning routine can vary from taking five minutes could take 45 minutes. So in that morning, I'm thinking, right, well, what time do I need to get up? Oh, God, how quickly is this going to take me? And then how am I going to get there? If I run into traffic, what's, and then where am I going to park? If it's an offsite and so on. So just asking that question of, of being, you know, is, is, is this um, going to be all right for you? And, and giving enough time for a heads up um, really does go a long way. Um, and it's such a, an easy thing to change. So actually, I, sorry, Chris, I mean, for me, that's all about communication, yeah. two-way communication. Yeah. And I suppose it, it's no different than some of those other conversations we have as a, I don't know, as a working mother or whatever, and be from a diversity inclusion about mm -hmm. that privilege that we just do what we know and we don't ever think about the impact. So I, I had the same with a partner who said, can you get to Farnham for eight o'clock in the morning? <laughs> Well, with three children, it meant leaving at six. Yeah. And on the second time, he said, could you do it again? And I said, actually, no. I said, you know what? Leaving home at six o'clock is not much fun on a daily basis. And he said, oh, I never thought about that. I just closed my front door. And actually, my wife looks after my children. So, so again, I yeah. think for me, it's that big putting yourself in someone else's shoes. Mm. And, and on that, what can we as employees and, and colleagues, you know, 
what can we do to make it a better environment for you for and for people with disability um i think well from from an employer's perspective um so I, i've been looking quite deeply into this and uh there's an organization called inclusive boards um who uh i guess just survey i guess the inclusivity of senior leadership positions across uh companies and they did a survey of over a thousand business leaders and uh, one third did not think that their organization would benefit from employing a disabled person uh one in ten was uh wouldn't be apprehensive about employing a disabled person uh, 41% felt they uh, would take a lot of sick leave. Um, 45% uh, felt their office might not be accessible. Um, so, and, and I've got a quote here, given the opportunity to respond openly, the respondents also said that disabled people's capabilities might not be enough to carry the job, uh, carry out the job properly. And they didn't think disabled people could cope with the high stress uh, involved with executive life. Um, and my advice would be remove that thinking immediately. That is not the case. Um, uh, I think the business case for diversity makes it clear that uh, more representative teams offer a wider variety and a wider view of um, you know current issues, um, societal issues, business issues that provides you know a, a greater view into into what companies and clients are really facing and speeds up decision process and so on. I, I just think remove that view that is not true and uh, you know don't see me as just someone in a wheelchair I'm equally just as capable it just might take me a little bit longer to get to places but I think the resilience that the two of you have shown just in terms of picking yourself up from 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 where you were most business leaders wouldn't have that resilience and what I'd revoke to that would be sign up to be a disability confidence scheme uh, become a disability confident employer PwC is one and it really is a best practice but um, you can fully engage with the scheme as a way to actively show that any disabled candidates or employees that you want them to join your organisation is a great way to be a step forward and I would, I would suggest any organisation should, should see, think seriously about that and elevate that conversation to a board level yeah, and, and that, that's interesting because actually my other thought was how do we move the conversation on disability from just sitting around this table so that everybody can play a part? So, mm-hmm. so you've, you've mentioned that scheme. Is there anything else that, that we could do to move it from just a conversation to, to action? I think a big, a big thing as well is that um, I think the thing with disability is we are one of the, the largest of the marginalised groups, if you like, but yet we feel like the least represented. Mm. So I feel like a lot of people have said to me like, oh, after seeing you and having a conversation with you, now I understand and now I support the issues that you are, you know, um, talking about, but I didn't see them before. So I've, I have found with doing social media influencing, for me, a big thing has been representation. So, I mean, I was the first um, disabled Gymshark athlete so until me there hadn't there hadn't been one so it was after that people seen me do that they thought oh well you can do all these amazing things and then that I think the best thing about that job is I've had other disabled people think I can do them things as well now because I've seen you do it so I think a good thing would be a thing we really need to improve on is genuine representation within our media within our leaders within politicians um everywhere everywhere there is people there should be a disabled person in the room because um because it would help with situations like we were talking about earlier with um business leaders not understanding that disabled people can do the job just as well but it's like because you have that view because you haven't seen us do it and you haven't given us you haven't given us the opportunity to do it so we can't do it better because we haven't been let in the doors if you like but um yeah so i think that is a big thing is is there needs to be wider attention to representation just from working within the media that is the first thing that comes to my mind is because i think the more we see the issue the more we're going to be talking about it 
and 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 sorry to pry a little bit but in terms of did you find Gymshark or did they find you they found me so right. we um so they, proactive yeah so they um the way they kind of work is they'll kind of have like a whole team who kind of like um you know it's, it's all social media based so yeah. I think they found me they found my injury and you know from having a conversation with um with their founder and with the people who decided to sponsor me it was basically just that they were so inspired by my resilience and you know and all of these things that all of the other athletes have all these characteristics um but it was just that I was a perfect fit for the team so I mean yeah that they found me for Instagram and then we went from there basically no and I, I followed you on Instagram actually and when, and when I'm thinking and you are an inspiration Sophie because because as I go to the gym at five thirty in the morning and I'm, I'm thinking oh it's cold I'm morning I'm thinking no if you know if someone like you can actually have the resilience to get on and do then I have absolutely no excuse so I oh, think well, thank you. no but I, but I also think it's that bit about having a role model yeah and, and it's I suppose how do we share that and you're probably right the media would be you know whether it's tv whatever it is whether a newsreader it then becomes the social norm rather than the something that people don't see at all yeah and I think as we get to the, the close of the conversation what would be for each of you that not one tip but that one thought that every person that would meet you or can be meeting you in time should think about that would help make your lives easier and the lives of everyone who has a disability whether you can see it or not I think for me I think the glossy glass reflects more than it reveals and I think there is so much research um, and genuinely taking the time to get to know someone with good reason I think can really go a long way and really understanding what um, you know what happened to me that's one question. How does that affect me daily life? Is a whole other question. I never get asked that question. Very rarely. It was like, much to our point earlier. It's like, what happened? And it was all like, how has that changed? How how you are as a person? How you are? Um, you know, how that affects your your day to day life. That is, uh, no one ever. Once they've heard the story, it's like, oh right, okay, great. Never go on to that further depth. So just that next level, I think. Then, um, and it doesn't matter whatever disability you have. I think just going to that next level with someone in a genuinely you know, understanding manner uh, can I think can really change up the conversation and, and, and really really go a long way in society thank you and Sophie I think for me like I mean what I mean the main thing is that I, I say to, to other disabled people is that you don't owe able-bodied people anything because I think that is a massive thing is you know if you if you are happy to sit there and talk about your disability and your injury then okay and brilliant but a lot of the times it is quite traumatic when you're asked it I mean you're asked it multiple times a day and I think you kind of have to learn to empower yourself to know that like if you don't want to talk about that you don't have to you can decide, you set the barriers for you. And like we were saying earlier about things in terms of like um, getting on a train, getting on a plane, things like that. People who are assisting you, you need to be empowered to call the shots. So you need to say, look, I need this ramp at this time. And you have to learn. It's really hard because you kind of feel like you are, um, you almost feel like you're being a nuisance mm. or you're being a pain, but you need to be empowered to be, say, look, I need this ramp at 6.30. And you need to learn that that's kind of how you have to be. And then when you act like that, nine times out of ten people start to treat you like that as well because they'll go oh okay I, I need to do this they'll just take the command as if it had just come from anyone else but I think yeah I think that's the main thing is empowering yourself because um, when you've empowered yourself you can then go out into the world and behave and start to empower other people thank you and I'm afraid that draws us to a close to another podcast 
and on our episode of How to Empower. It's been a really good conversation. Um, thank you both, both Chris and Sophie, for sharing so openly, you know, the impact that disability has had on you and, and actually what employees and people around can do to make a difference. To you, our listeners, um, thank you for tuning in. And if you'd like to share your thoughts with us, get in touch. And of course, um, don't forget to subscribe so you can keep up to date with future episodes. Music